Hello and welcome to another episode of Laying Down the Lore, a monthly podcast in which we aim to separate our ghouls from our goblins, our snotlings from our skaven storm fiends, and our bloodthirsters from our bloodletters, and generally ask, what's up with this Warhammer stuff? My name is Ben Crumb Barber, and I know fuck all about Warhammer. With me is my co-host Christopher Crallen Allen. Hi there. Who also knows fuck all about Warhammer. Very true. <laughs> Very true. And my dear brother Darren. Taking a Kralin length pause. Hello. <laughs> Who knows so much about Warhammer, it's a wonder he has time to do anything else. After gathering online to slay some vermin in the name of Sigmar, this dichotomy between our levels of understanding became clear, and this series is an attempt to address that ignorance. Hello, gents. Hello, all. Morning, mate. After 10 episodes, you would have thought I'd be well versed in our own introduction. <laughs> oh, I missed the first bit or the second bit. One absolute pleb I am. One melon. It's amazing you still have me on the show. Yeah. <laughs> you would think that. We we fully expect it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I will do better. Thank you. We appreciate your effort. I loved your previous work. I think it's only getting stronger. <laughs> Speaking of previous work, are you going to do that thing where you do the entire episode's rendition in Tony Blackburn's voice again? I can do, or would you like oh. me to do it in a different voice? Pick a voice and I'll try and do it. No, that's, that's going to be a car crash, isn't it? <laughs> Shall I just do a regular summary? I'll just do a regular summary. No, do Gary Glitter. <laughs> Gary, Gary What's Glitter. a Gary Glitter? A Gary Glitter voice. Yeah. <laughs> do you even know who Gary Glitter is? Of course I do. He's the convicted paedophile. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You're right, of course. Just use your normal voice. Yeah. <laughs> Let's err on the side Hey-o. of caution with that one. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Whether that will make the cut, we'll make the decision later. Right, Kral, uh, Tony Blackburn has. Or Tony otherwise. Blackburn, previously no. laying down the law. No, that's quite tiring. I think I'll just cut it yeah. there. Um, but previously... <laughs> On this never-ending train journey that is the bloody ruddy Skaven. Um, yeah, last month uh, we looked at the Skaven Under Empire, which basically is everywhere. So wherever there's a town or a settlement above ground, there's very likely to be a Skaven reflection beneath it. Um, so whether there's Nuln, there's Under Nuln, uh, in the city of Middenheim, there's Under Middenheim, and so on. So basically, you never. You're never more than about 50 yards away from a Skaven at any time, it sounds like. Jeepers. Yeah, it's horrific. It's pretty uh, It's pretty horrific. Lords of Decay and the Council of the Thirteen, even though there's only 12 of them, um, <laughs> of course, the 13th seat being reserved for the Horned Rat himself. Big up the Horned Rat. Ben, you keep you keep missing the big up the Horned, the rat. Big up the horned rat thing. Yeah. No, don't worry about it. I have it as a soundbite, and I just basically paste it in during post. <laughs> I have some inside knowledge that Ben's been actually relieved of PR duties from the Skaven, oh, no. uh, Skaven Society as well. Yeah, he's about to get his P60. Or P45. No, the P45, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you say that. Well, I, uh, well do you know what? I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. I'll leave it as a surprise. Is it because oh, you... Oh, God, we've got another bloody Skaven choir song coming, haven't we? Oh, no, God, no, unfortunately not. Unfortunately not. The Skaven choir yeah, yeah. Uh, could not make it to us for this episode but um you've been headhunted by yeah. the orc pr <laughs> oh fuck oh We're you be bet you closer than ever 
<sighs> anyway, <clears throat> Lords of Decay, Council of Thirteen. Do you know what, Chris? I like that idea. Do you have any contacts within the orc? Do I have I could, any contacts? That I could maybe, you know, that I could speak to, you know, see whether they're looking for anybody. Mate, I'll twist a few orc arms and see what I can do for you. All right? I'd appreciate that. I'd appreciate I, I, I'll tell you one job. thing. They were quite impressed with your coordination and choreography of the, the choir arrangement, actually. So they were like, excellent. Mm. Hmm. Okay. They could do with some of that branding and 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 style artistic license in there. Hold on a minute. Hold campaigns. on a minute. Are you are you saying that the orcs have their own choir that need managing? They don't have one, but I think they know they need one. Ben. Oh dear. Oh oh. <laughs> We're gonna have some fun. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, probably not, but that's okay. I can tell you what I'm thinking. I'm really relieved this isn't a Star Wars podcast, because if there was a fucking Ewok choir, I'd kill myself. <laughs> well, you Ewok know, you choir know. coming up. Laying down the lore <laughs> does Star Wars. <laughs> right. In the spirit of keeping to this tight time schedule, I'll carry on with the recap. So, as well as the Skaven Under Empire... Uh, we covered the Lords of Decay, the Council of Thirteen, despite them only being 12 of them, because they're uh, very hopeful that the Horned Rat himself will ascend and take up the 13th seat. These council members, they basically rule all of Skavendom and represent, well, they are the leaders of all the Skaven clans. And then the Graces, who are basically the emissaries of the Horned Rat, like the prophets. Yeah, the priesthood. Um, who carry out the council's will and ultimately want to bring about the ascendancy of the Great Horned Rat. They're not only massively influential, but are very powerful sorcerers as well, who can summon vermin lords, cast destructive spells, and really ruin your day if they uh, if they wanted to. And finally, the Skaven Warlord clans, which basically Darwinism at its finest. There's just constant battles between all these clans who are vying for power, with the victorious clan basically absorbing the remaining numbers of the lesser clanning and helping further bolster their numbers, make them more powerful, and basically increasing their chances to be the most dominant clan. Pretty brutal. And the most notable of those clans being Clan Scryer, Clan Eshin, Clan Mulder, and Clan Pestilens, although there are hundreds, if not thousands, of these clans, are there not? There are, yeah. The four named clans, they're the, the great clans that we'll look at today. But yeah, the general okay. warlord clans, there there's hundreds, if not thousands of them. Can I just say as well, that was mm. an excellent summary and an absolute tribute to Google. I was going to say, there was definitely some elements to that that I had not heard yeah. before. And I, <laughs> I, I mean, I was here during the last recording and I, I mm -hmm. swear to God, you know, like the Gracier's ability to summon vermin lords. I don't remember Darren saying that. Well, then he, maybe I should be leading this fucking <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Take a step back, Darren. I got this. Right, Clan Scryer. <laughs> Hold my beer. Well, we have a golden opportunity <laughs> today. So, Kralin, what are you going to be talking about today? Today, I'm going to be picking your brains to allow me to explain the great clans, Clan Scryer, Eshin, Mulder, and Pestilence. Darren, take it away. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, oh, right. <laughs> Dara, you're up. Oh, I'm up. Sorry, I missed that link. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Well, this being our final episode on the old uh, Ratty Mofos, I thought we'd look at the kind of four great clans as outlined by our good and increasingly Skaven-looking friend, Kralin. So we've got uh, 
scryer. <laughs> Please tell me that was you chewing something. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Put it away! Put it away! Put it away! Too early. I, I, I really, I really that. hope you refer to it as your warp grinder. <laughs> Jokes on you! I'm a eunuch. <laughs> 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 Wait a minute. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll we'll have a look at the the four great clans. They being Scryer, who are the kind of mad scientists, the kind of lunatic engineers of the Skaven world, who construct not only great war machines but also all the kind of great engines of uh, their civilization, such as the original great machine under Skaven blight that kind of malfunctioned and that's a kind of key mm. word to use uh when describing the creations of clan scryer so really yeah mad scientists get them down pretty well we'll look at clan molder who are the the beast masters the kind of master masters of warpstone powered mutation uh, and really i think they can be best described with the word frankenskaven Based in Wales. Frankenskaven. <laughs> we'll have a look at Clan Pestilens, the diseased worshippers of the Horned Rat slash Nurgle. But I thought we'd kick off with the clan that uh, you two seem to have become more and more passionate about, Hi-ya. which is Clan Eshen. Yeah. So these are the black and grey clad assassins, spies, and messengers. They are... nice. Utterly mercenary. So while they have their own fortresses, their own uh, strongholds, they sell their services to the highest bidder. And if our listeners will remember, we have been banging on about how the human nations, the vast majority of the humans in those nations, don't believe in the Skaven as a race. They think they're just either large mutated rats or a type of beast man. Or indeed, simply just mythological. They don't believe they exist. And a lot of that is down to the assassination skills of Clan Eshin, who kill anyone who gets even a little bit of information about the Skaven race as a whole, while they try to position themselves for their great ascendancy. You said Clan Eshin, they're quite mercenary. Yeah. Well, they are mercenaries, and they'll sell their skills and services to the highest bidder. Does that include non-Skaven races as well? I think the answer is indirectly yes. I think that we had mentioned, perhaps not in the Skaven episodes, but uh, in the introductions, that um, the Skaven like to keep their existence pretty harsh, but they will help ne'er-do-well of pretty much any race gain power within their own kind of political sphere. So that's Mm. either through eliminating rivals or by providing wealth and warpstone or some other thing that 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 traitor would find useful. So uh, as part of the kind of bribery bundle, uh, one would assume that agents of clanation are involved in that. Now, that's Mm. Uh, either through a warlord clan or a grey seer or a leader of one of the four great clans. So Eshin, I think, do sometimes contact individuals they think are ripe for manipulation directly. So that's a yes, but perhaps indirectly for answer to your question. Yes with a but kind of thing. Well, that's my favorite kind of answer. (laughs) You love buts. 
Mm-hmm. You may have alluded to the answer to this in in that answer, but you know how does Clan Eshin? You said that they take out anybody that starts to get an inkling as to the Skaven's existence. How do they find out that information? Because you mentioned agents. Do they do they have non Skaven agents within these mortal races that kind of feed that information back to them? And they say, you know, Johnny Blabbermouth down the road, he thinks that the Skavens might be real. You better go sort him out. I think uh, a solid yes to that. So if you enter into a deal with the Skaven, they pretty much own you because they can either kill you or have you discredited and branded a lunatic. So once mm. you, it's it's the same in our world. Once you've accepted a bribe, yeah, you might have gained a little bit of influence, but the crowd that bribed you own you utterly until you're discovered mm. or, or or whatever else. So I think yes, a solid yes to that, but also. They have their own network of Skaveny spies, and nice. they will have some level of magical surveillance being provided by the Grey Seers or indeed Clan Scryer. Right, okay. The most common targets for all these kind of information snips are the the sewer watch. Through the sewers of the Empire, you're able to actually gain access into the the under empire. So they're the ones that most commonly come across on a a day-to-day basis. And of course, the Skaven don't like that and will hunt that person down or hunt that group down. So it's it's a job with a high rate of attrition. Uh, I see. That's a long-winded way of saying yes. (laughs) High staff turnover. Yeah. The human societies don't get suspicious. It's like, this is the fourth person this month that said they thought they saw a Skaven and then quickly died and disappeared. (laughs) (laughs) What a coincidence. (laughs) Well, there, there's two things, really. You've got the general kind of background radiation of the whole of humanity thinking the Skaven don't exist. So it's obviously someone who went mad and eventually took their own lives. But also, Clan Eshin will use either their own warpstone blades or warpstone-infused blades, which gives a poison wound, or will release poison that's been given to them by Clan Pestilence. So as much as these clans fight against each other, they hate non-Skaven even more. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, yes, the other bit being if you're talking about like the sewer watch or the sewer jacks, well, they're in places that are rife with disease. So if they die because of a disease, well, it's just explained away as, well, that's part of their, that's the risk of the job. Shouldn't have been rolling around in that pile of tampons and dung. <laughs> it's not funny, man. Sepsis is no joke. I love that you think that that's the most likely thing they'll be rolling around in in a sewer <laughs> pile of tampons and dung. I, I, I think that's a little insight into Kral's life. Where do you put your tampons, Ben? You're not irresponsible and just cast them to the side of the road, are you, Ben? He soaks them in vodka and shoves them up his arse. I store them like the uh, like the Hell's Angels, so that if we get any new initiates, their initiation is that they have to chew one. Why? Because <laughs> that's apparently <laughs> what Hell's Angels do. You're weird. <laughs> I'm not weird. That's what Hell's Angels do. You call them Hell's I mean, Angels. What's so attractive about your 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 group to chew a tampon? I'm intrigued now. Give me a tampon. Uh, <laughs> do you want to be in my gang, my gang? <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, that's a bit lame for the Hell's Angels, really. That's the initiation, dry mouth. It's a bit, it's a bit schoolyard, <laughs> isn't it? It's a bit, it's a bit frat boy. Iron mouth. 
All right, you want to be in our gang? You got to choose this, man. <laughs> chug it, chug it. <laughs> Using tampons as a segue, we'll move on with Clanation. How appropriate. <laughs> so Clanation really has two sorts of leadership councils. They have their sorcerers who use kind of stealth magic and access to kind of mystical assassination techniques. So very much the the ninjas of legend, but rats. You then have the assassins, and these are the kind of master killers of Clanation. And these two, again, they're mercenary, they can be hired, but these will cost a wagon load of warp stone. Um, underneath them, then, you have four grades of troops. You have the most basic, which are night runners. So these are the, the foot clan. You then have the more elite gutter runners. So if you survive a couple of battles as a night runner, you become promoted to a gutter runner. And these are the specialists. These are the kind of ratty ninja teams that go in and wipe out opposition. And the gutter runners, the guys in Blood Bowl. Yes, they are positional players in Blood Bowl, yes. Yeah, nice. But they, they're based on the troop type of Gutter Runner, which originally appeared in Mordheim. Ah, uh, okay. That's when Clan Eshin really became more fleshed out, was through that game of Mordheim. And if listeners recall, that's when a huge meteorite of Warpstone slammed into the city of Mordheim, and the Skaven wanted all that nom nom Warpstone. So mm. they sent the Gutter Runners in. Nice. So the, the most elite of the Clanation infantry agents are referred to as the Death Runners, which is quite intimidating. And these are the, the kind of one step down from assassins. They'll go in in small groups and fuck your shit up really, really quickly without anyone hearing it. Wow. And while the other three great clans all have access to like affiliated clan rats or warlord clans with clan rats and storm vermin... Eshin have their own dedicated, basic kind of mass group of troops, which are referred to as the Eshin Triads. So these are effectively small warlord clans directly under the control of Clan Eshin. And they perform the kind of day-to-day operations in a kind of broader sense. So those are the ones that will guard Clan Eshin resources if a distraction is needed so that the any of the kind of groups of runners need to get in, then the triads will kind of lay siege to somewhere while someone goes in and stabs the target. So Eshin are just too skilled and basically expensive to do the mundane day-to-day stuff. Yeah, absolutely. If they're if they're that expensive, like what do the assassins do? Because well, they can't be provided with wagon loads of warp stone every day for new targets, can they? Like, What, what do they do when, when they're not doing that? How do they spend their downtime? <laughs> Reading Assassins Monthly. <laughs> Webinars. Webinars. <laughs> conferences. <laughs> Join us at 12 PMT time to... <laughs> 10 best ways to kill your target without being noticed. Death by use tampon. Learn how. <laughs> Uh, the five most common tools to kill your opponent <laughs> with. <laughs> Have you ever killed someone with a banana? <laughs> well, here's how. Here's how. <laughs> well, Johnny has, and he's with us today. Johnny, tell us all about it. <laughs> all right, they, you can call me Johnny Banana. 
<laughs> and the first oh, question is, how the heck do you get a banana in Warhammer? <laughs> a banana hammer. A banana hammer. Anyway. Sorry, Darren, you're being very patient with this. Go on. <laughs> I was just going to answer your question, Ben. The assassins are the ones that are sent after, you know, the super duper hard to get to target. So they'll be the ones who sent who are sent out to kill, you know, like the head of one of the colleges of magic or the emperor or, you know, one of the dukes in Bretonia, someone who's uh, massively protected. Surely the Council of Thirteen would just make like it's just an open-ended contract. Like Eshin assassins, do your best to kill every high-level dude in every other race that's not Skaven. Here's all the warp stone you'll ever need. Yeah, is, I th- it, is I th- it more? Kind yeah, of but like- those races aren't without their own defenses. I mean, Ashen are skilled, yeah. but I mean, yeah, yeah. But that's what yeah, I'm saying. I- is like you know, it's not going to be a walk in the park for these guys. It's going to be a challenge. But like with the number, you know, Skaven's ultimate. Th- goal isn't it is to take over the entire world so surely they would just have an open-ended like yeah like kill everyone at the top level of every race that's Mm. not us spoken like a true soccer fan there now what you should have done mate right is go around the side (laughs) right flip pass to that guy and scored the goal in it simple that's what you should have done (laughs) yeah but you've you've got to remember that any huge amount of action is going to draw attention to the fact that the skaven exist so ah, they've right, okay. got to keep it on the QT. But also the the assassins will, uh, if we go back to, I think the first Skaven episode where we talked about where they dropped Warpstone into the water cisterns of a dwarven oh. hold. Do we have to go over that again? Yeah, that's the work of an assassin because they'll have had to have, in disguise as an orc, get through the dwarf <laughs> lines, then... <laughs> disguise themselves as a dwarf to get down into the stronghold itself and then all the while carrying huge lumps of warp stone that they had to drop in uh, and then get easily back. Easily done. Yeah. Jim, get me my green face paint. <laughs> the most orc-looking skaven we have. Yeah. Well, le- let me just say on behalf of both Jemima and the podcast, we don't condone green face. <laughs> Hi, I'm Barry Skriniches and I'm here today to tell you about Seertech's amazing warp-infused profit engine, or WIPE for short. Perfect for any home, this user-friendly device uses Seertech's patented warp stone forehead nail to transform the severed head of any Kislevite into a functional profit. To use WIPE is simplicity itself. Alexi? Duh. What will the weather be like tomorrow? Bleak. Oh, Alexi, you crack me up. Will Farmer Detail's next market day be profitable? Duh. But they all go missing on the return home. By the sacred column, that is such a shame. And to think he has such an impressionable daughter. As you can see, many customers use Wipe to keep up to date with the Empire's comings and goings, including trade reports, aristocratic gossip, troop movements, local festivals, information for blackmail, and recipes from the moot. None of this data is sent to the council. There is no need to order this amazing product today as one is already being shipped to you. Seertech, making man things focus over here.
that's that's really clanation in a nutshell. I mean, they were the ones during the Great Migration, the first Great Migration, that migrated fully east to the lands. Say of migration Kath- again. Kath- Say migration again, motherfucker. I dare you. I double dare you. <laughs> Yeah, it's my it's my new version of interesting. I can't stop I can't stop saying it. Yeah, so they learned the deadly arts in the Far East and came back to Skaven Blight to sell their skills. Yeah, that's Clanation. Nice. So as mentioned there, Clanation is uh, not adverse to dropping poisons into people's coffees or indeed water wells. Uh, and they get most of those from Clan Pestilence, who we'll talk about now. We've mentioned previously that Clan Pestilence bridges the kind of theological gap between the great horned rat's desire for ruination, including disease, and Nurgle. So there's a strong link between those two gods and the the plague monks of Clan Pestilence. These chaps are led by plague lords, the most famous of which was Lord Skrulk, which is a great name, who stayed, now I'll see if we can keep a straight face here, who was the owner of the Liber Bubonicus, the great plague tome of Nurgle, which was stolen from servants of Nurgle, and he would hit people with his mighty rod of corruption. I'm not laughing. (laughs) Excellent. Well done. (laughs) Ah, damn it, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) I think I had that on my dating profile. <laughs> the rod of corruption. Well, you can get an ointment for that now, Ben. Um, yeah, topical lotion. <laughs> yeah, so the plague lords really occupy the leadership roles of clan pestilence, and they themselves serve the great lord of decay, Nurglitch, who was, in fact, the only lord of decay to have a miniature. In the 5th or 6th edition, there was a campaign set in Lustria, where Clan Pestilence originated from, and he is depicted as this morbidly obese skaven sitting atop a Shetland pony-sized plague rat, which he would walk in, which they would sidle, waddle even, into combat with his plague monks. It was a cracking miniature. Um, That's so cool. So underneath the Plague Lords, we've got the Plague Priests. Now, we've encountered the Plague Priests in Vermintide. Those are those green-clad lads who come at you with double knives. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And slice and dice you to pieces. Absolutely. Well, they display the the fundamental skill of the uh, warriors of Clan Pestilence, which is they are constantly frenzied. They're in a kind of ecstatic religious albeit diseased, state. So those are the leaders of Clan Pestilence. Looking at the body of troops, they don't really have clan rats in-house, although they do have warlord clans affiliated with them. Their main type of foot troops are these plague monks, which is, if you can think of thousands of brown and green robed skaven who are constantly... Gregorian chanting while their mouth is full of phlegm. That's the kind of vibe that they oh, give off. Weird. Christ almighty. And the smell would be unbelievable. They're just horrific to face in combat because they are, again, frenzied. They'll just charge forward and then um, cut you and infect you or whack you with wow. their staffs. Whack. They're accompanied by small groups of plague sensor bearers. 
any of our Catholic friends will be aware of the censers in the various masses and religious ceremonies, which are these large, usually brass spheres that have got full of holes and have got a chain on them. And the, oh, the priests wave yeah. them from side to side and smoke and incense comes out, that kind of thing. Well, imagine that, but with a chunk of burning warp stone in that censer and your man is w swinging it around his head, whacking everyone he can. That's what a plague censer is. Um, wow. So these guys, again, in their frenzied state, rush forward with these basically infectious maces, uh, whacking everyone in sight. And is, is the warp stone infectious or have they made it? Because I know that they, you know, dropping the warp stone in the water poisoned the dwarfs. But like, just as a lump within one of these kind of sensor, sensor. If you had a lump of it thrown at sensor you balls? on its own, is it enough to mess your day up? Or have yes. they done something to it to make it more infectious? Like weaponized it? I think it's burning. So there's there's just clouds mm. of uh, warp stone infused vapor coming off of it. I mean, I'm uh, sure it's also heavy and sharp as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm I'm sure that the sensor also has like diseased rags in it, so it's giving out disease as well as they're swinging right, it around. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And the bearers of these sensors. Are they immune to it or do they just put up with it? Is it just like collateral damage? Yeah, we're going to get infected, but we're down with that because we're scathing anyway. We're pestilence. I, th I think they're immune to it because that comes in the kind of benefits, the blessings of not only the horned rat, but also Nurgle. It, you know, mm. it, a servant of Nurgle is not slowed down by any kind of disease. They won't be killed. Okay. I mean, they could effectively be a, a muscle-ridden zombie but yeah. they'll have that look, but they'll be fully aware. It won't be slowing them down at all. Gotcha. They'll still be cognizant yeah. of everything they're doing. Yeah, yeah okay. so they, they certainly wouldn't be immune to it, would they? Because that's kind of part of their jam. They, they dig a fit infection, so... But they wouldn't, it, it wouldn't slow them down. If anything, it empowers them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so I think, I think the best thing to do is they would be, what's it called? Um, they'd be asymptomatic. Okay. Right. So yeah. they'd have they'd have the disease, but it wouldn't be as voracious in their system yeah. as it would be in someone else. But then some of the imagery that you see for rats from clan pestilence, often their skin is like boiled and yeah. you know pot-marked mm. and it, it looks infected. You know, that certainly doesn't seem like asymptomatic. You know, are they displaying some signs of having an infection? Well, yeah, they've got boils and shit. It's good to call us up on that. I think that their behavior is asymptomatic. They're not slowed right, down yes. by it. They operate as normal. But they, gotcha. th these visible signs of disease are, much like with followers of Nurgle, they're looked upon as blessings. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, if you've got a few boils, you're worthy. Oh, mate, I'm right. worthy. I've got a I'm few worthy. boils. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so they do depend on huge mass ranks of infantry, as with most Skaven armies, but they do have access to some war machines. The two most common are the Plague Claw Catapult, which is this enormous trebuchet that fires uh, what effectively looks like disease-ridden blancmange. Uh, and that splatters over the enemy and the ground and carries the usual array of rat-based infections. Yeah, so it, mm. it, it's this stuff that uh, 
affects people incredibly quickly. You know, there's no, there's no, you'll feel a bit rough for a couple of days and then it'll kick in. This stuff, it, it'll fuck your day up as soon as it touches you. Yeah, there's no right, like, you know, okay. post, post-COVID vaccine kind of jitters and feeling a bit off. Hands, it's face and space up. just won't work with this. Yeah. <laughs> disease <laughs> trifle, we call it. Disease trifle. <laughs> The other great war machine is the plague furnace, and this is hat. Yeah, this is a plague sensor, one of those big brass balls, but it's somewhere between six to eight feet in diameter uh, and full of warp stony, diseasey goodness. And it swings from this enormous arch, which is on a, a carriage, which is pushed forward by the the plague monks. And so oh, this yeah. then gives them the benefit of an area of disease and smoke and mutating warpstone vapor that empowers the monks, sends them into religious frenzy, but also impacts the enemy. But the best bit about it is the chain it's swinging on is extendable, so it can swing out They'll loose the chain and it will slam down in the middle of an enemy regiment and cause huge damage and huge mutations wow. and death. And God. then they reel it back in. They reel it back in. Like tetherball. It's like going fishing. Yeah. <laughs> Human fishing. Yeah. yeah. Human fishing. Wow. So between the big brass balls and the rod of corruption, you're pretty fucked, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Nice. Huh? Huh? Especially if uh, there's smoke coming uh, from it, yeah. yeah smoking balls. <laughs> Friction, baby. <laughs> Friction. Yeah, so that's clan pestilence, really. We've talked about them previously. Their migration uh-huh, from Illustria through And their to... great struggle as well, wasn't it? Because they, exactly they were kind of outcast right. generations ago. Exactly right. And they basically came back by sacrificing everything in lustria for many yeah. eons pretty grim yeah. pretty grim you know and that clan is single-handedly responsible for the rise of the cult of sotek amongst the lizard men and they're the ones mm. to sacrifice any skaven they capture to that god you know and that's only a good thing mm. well because the skaven sacrificed every lizard man they could find to their yeah. god oh, yeah, yeah, an eye. it's a bit petty isn't it come on <laughs> Can you we overreacting just i mean we only killed just about every one of you do you really it hardly seems like a proportional response yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay well they sound awful they sound absolutely awful okay <laughs> um so leaving pestilence behind us, which is always a good idea, uh, quite far behind <laughs> us, um, we'll now have a look at Clan Mulder. Mulder. Clan Mulder. Boy, yo. Oh, God. There we go. <laughs> These are the, as I call them, the Frankenskavens. These are the creators of organic horrors and monsters that the Skaven race, and indeed on the tabletop, the Skaven army is quite famous for. The most obvious being the rat ogres. These are the ones that effectively, they just got big rats to fuck, and then eventually a rat ogre was born. So to kind of underline their powers of mutation, or the powers of uh, eugenics, I suppose, or Skavengenics and Warpstone, they force mutations onto existing animals or monsters that they themselves have created. So with rat ogres, you 
frequently come across rat ogres that have perhaps three arms or four arms and have got armor instead of skin and 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 every kind of idea of mutation that you can come up with there will be an animal or a, a, a rat ogre that has that same kind of idea the kind of pinnacle of rat ogreiness are the storm fiends and again you'll recall those are the flamethrower armed uh, rat ogres, monsters that we face in Vermintide. Yeah, fuck those guys. Yeah. I love the idea of that research project, you know, that how they made the rat ogres. Like I was listening to a podcast recently where it was talking about the, um, the validity of research and that the people making these, doing the research, should at the start plan out what they're going to do and put it in a document stating like, this is what we're going to do in this research project. I'd love to have read that one. Like, right, what we're going to do, right? We're going to find two huge rats and we're going to make them fuck. And then we're going to make them <laughs> fuck again. And then we're going to make them fuck again. And then whatever comes out, we're going to make them fuck that. And then we're going to make those <laughs> things fuck. And then eventually we come out with a rat worker. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be reading. I'd be like, sure, yeah, great. Where do I sign That's up? That's pretty much Sounds how awesome. they fast tracked the COVID vaccines. We were so desperate for it that we just got <laughs> two existing vaccines to fuck and fuck again until we're like, that'll do. Ninety three percent success rate. Uh, excellent. <laughs> but uh, a, a, an interesting uh, point on rat ogre. They're not actually one organism. They're in fact two. So there's. <sighs> The main kind of size and bulk of a rat ogre with its own ideas and senses, but then on their back in a little kind of protective case, they have a tiny little rat with a huge brain that's used to augment their intelligence to be able to use all the advanced weaponry that they have. And again, it's highlighted in um, Vermintide that if you shoot them from behind, you cause more damage. Is that the case in the, the tabletop game as well? You know, I'm not entirely sure. I don't believe it is. We shall go and have a look. Uh, and what we can do is maybe stick an answer to that in the show notes. Well, GW, if you are listening, you are welcome. All I need is a credit. <laughs> <laughs> but rat ogres being the most iconic are not the only monsters that are created. You have a look at things as basic as giant rats. So the aforementioned uh, fuckies of the rat ogre uh, creation process, and they're simply large rats. You then have wolf rats, so they've bred rats with wolves. I think they might yes. have had to use some sort of sling. <laughs> Just tempted it with the, the wolf with a sausage. Like, no, no, keep looking this way. Keep looking this way. <laughs> Surely, good like this size thing is a big problem there as well. Like, the wolf just wearing the rat like a dick pillow, like a like a dick sock. Well, I think it might have been the other way around. I think they might have. It's like holding a dachshund against the back of a Great Dane. It's that kind of idea. <laughs> Go. <laughs> we'll give you a hand on everything. Make a whoopee. <laughs> uh, so anyway, wolf rats look like a wolf with incredibly thin ratty legs uh, and a rat head. It sounds like the, the bad half of the wolf. They should have just kept the wolves as they are. They just domesticated yeah. them and trained them or something. No? It's like, we just made shit wolves. 
<laughs> it wasn't she a wolf? No one. <laughs> I think they're very much um, rat supremacists. So I think okay, it, yeah. they needed, they wanted to make their own that would be accepted within the culture. Gotcha. Wow. Uh, okay. And then you've got uh, brood horrors, which are rats, like morbidly obese rats about the size of a Clydesdale horse that all they do, all they do is constantly give birth and eat their young to get bigger. So they're producing okay. their own food constantly. And yeah. these things, if you release them into a tunnel, will just fuck a dwarf's day up completely. <laughs> what would they call right. it? Brood horrors. Brood horrors. Wow. I love the way, I love the way that you compared its size to a Clydesdale horse. That reference is lost on anybody outside of Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> well, my other half being a horse rider, I, I can relate. Yeah, okay, fine. But yeah, Ben's right. How big is a <laughs> how big is a Clydesdale horse compared to a normal horse? Well, hang on. Anyone who drinks uh, Budweiser will get that reference too. Why is it on the front of a Budweiser? Yeah, they've got um, a massive. Well, they've got a Clydesdale horse. <laughs> yeah, is it effort. a Clydesdale like, horse on the front of a Budweiser? Wow, fucking hell! Every day is a it's an effing big horse. It's an effing big horse. So those are the kind of regular monsters that. Um, sorry, sorry, we haven't we hadn't hadn't clarified. Is a Clydesdale horse bigger than a normal horse? Yes, massively. Right. It's about a fifth to a quarter bigger. What the fuck? It's huge. Jesus, that's fucking nuts. They yeah. are literally like dinosaurs. They're massive. So brood horrors, eh? Well, that sounds that sounds horrendous. So these are the kind of run-of-the-mill, in quotes, monsters that the clan Mulder Packmasters lead into battle. Now, the Packmasters are, are the kind of the lion tamers of the Skaven world. And it's a, it's a, a point of the constant Siegfried consternation. The Siegfried, the unmunched Siegfried and Roy. <laughs> and it's a point of uh, constant consternation to the other clans that the, the monsters, the beasts, the wolf rats, uh, and so on, only respond to the pack masters. They don't respond to any other uh, leadership position. And so even within Clan Mulder, beasts respond to a single pack master and if a pack master gets enough of them they become quite powerful but they do have even larger monsters and i just want to touch on two of them today because they're the most commonly referenced the first is the burrowing behemoth and these are how would you describe them these are do you know these huge bucket diggers that you see in in, in quarries Mm. Oh yeah! If you can imagine that, but a fleshy monstrosity, these are the ones that actually dig the big tunnels for the Under Empire. So wow. they're like you know the machine that dug the Channel Tunnel. Mm. The fleshy equivalent would be a burrowing behemoth. They're also you the say ones. Behemoth? That are, do you mean a behemoth? Just kill yourself. <laughs> I've never heard someone say it that yourself. way. <laughs> I didn't know that that was another hippopotamus or hippopotamus. <laughs> In previous episodes, I remember you, Darren, explaining there were these worm-like burrowing animals or, or creatures that squigs, squigs, yeah, yeah. giant squigs. Called? Yeah, yeah squigs. they were under the orc and goblin umbrella. Okay, not Skaven. Okay, cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, so the borrowing behemoths then for everyone else, apparently. Um, these are the, 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 the kind of main organic engine that fuels the expansion of or that causes the expansion of the Skaven Under Empire. They're also used at some stages in sieges against underground citadels, either of the dwarves or of the night goblins. Wow. Right. Yes, yeah, so enormous. Or more commonly, yeah, especially overground, you find these things called hell pit abominations. Now, the hell pit is the main settlement controlled by Clan Mulder, and that's up in the north. It's in Norska, quite close to the kind of chaos tribes and also to the portal gate. Because, Chris, you mentioned, I think it was in the second or third episode, that why aren't the Skaven living quite near the Chaos portals? Well, they, mm. they do, and the Hell Pit of Clan Mulder is the nearest okay. kind of major settlement to it. But th these Hell Pit abominations are somewhere between, depending on how ambitious the Clan Mulder breeders are, somewhere between the size of a two-story house and a five-story block of apartments. And there is, in fact, a miniature for this that you can put on the table if you're playing Skaven. And we'll stick, wow. a, we'll stick a note in there. And these things are steampunk, or as we've come to call it, warp punk zombie monsters. So it's part flesh, part machine. It's got a kind of warp-powered steam engine in it. In the miniature, if I recall, the kind of back legs are just quite vestigial, and it's it runs on a wheel. So it looks like a huge rodent hobby horse of doom. <laughs> Wee! <laughs> that sounds absolutely horrendous. I would not like to see that on a battlefield. I would love to see that at all, to be honest. <laughs> In any context. So that's really Clan Mulder. I mean, we'll just close out with talking about their leadership. I mentioned Packmasters, who are the kind of frontline troops that whip the creations ahead of them into the enemy ranks. But they do have two grades of leadership above that. They've got the master molders, who are the ones that are there in the lab. They're the kind of scientists that create these organic monsters. And then you've got the master mutators, and they're the ones who take those organic monsters and then fuck that shit up with uh, warp stone and technology and add in extra limbs and make these things six times bigger than they, they, they should be. <laughs> and the most famous master mutator was one of the first named Skaven ever. Uh, and it's a, a, a chap by the name of Throt the Unclean. Uh, <laughs> and he, he appeared fully formed, his three-armed, in 1986. He was in the wow. first ever mention of the Skaven, um, which amazing. was in a Citadel journal. Yeah. That's so cool. So his name was Throt the Unclean, and he was a master baiter. Master, master mutator. Mutator. Can you just dial it back to nine, please, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I put it up to 11. Door the knob off. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we move on to the final clan and close out the Skaven episodes. Once and for all. Once and for all, yeah. Uh, do you have any questions about Clan Mulder? Sorry, just summarise Mulder's MO. Scryer are the techie engineers, wacky scientists. Eshin are ninja assassin saboteurs. Mulder are, in a word. Frankenskaven. 
Frank and Skaven. Okay, they're the Beastmasters. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, okay. So if there's no other questions, we'll crack on. I've just I've just been told to shut the fuck up, so no, I don't have any more questions. Would you, Ben? Would you? You were told to shut up about the sex stuff. Oh, right. <laughs> um, Come on, Master Mutator. That is ripe for the picking. It was too obvious, though, Ben. <laughs> You're too obvious, Chris. I mean, I, I do feel bad. You should never judge another man's euphemisms. It's terrible. <laughs> Howdy, y'all. My name is Ranch Master Grillclaw, head of Clan Molda's Hell Pit Ranch Barbecue and Farm Shop. Y'all know Clan Molda for our world-renowned interbreeding program, producing the finest stock of rat ogres, bone breakers, and brood horrors. But we are also the number one spot for homestyle barbecue here in Troll County. We do all the favorites. Abomination short ribs, throttling steaks, wyvern wings, and not forgetting our award-winning behemoth brisket. And what's a barbecue without all the fixings? Black corn on the cob, slaw, and tater tot Southland style. <laughs> That's good eating. And whilst you're here, why not visit the Help It Farm Shop to pick up a hamper of Help It's finest produce to take home. It's the perfect gift. The Help It Ranch Barbecue and Farm Shop. Eat up or it'll eat you. So looking into Clan Scryer, which Chris just said there are the mad scientists, the lunatic engineers of the Skaven race. And if I had to pick a favorite out of all the clans, these guys would be my favorite, purely because it's wacky races kind of construction level uh, of warfare. It's insane. I'm glad you got your favorite clan in there before the end of the episode, before we had a chance not to ask you. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> and I've I got to agree. I, I'm, I'm, I originally uh, liked Well, don't worry, Chris, Clan I'm going to edit that out, mate. Yeah, good. <laughs> I originally did like Clan Eshin and their uh, Nindri ways, but the more we learn about Skaven, the, the wacky, mad scryer scavs i think i think my number one these days i just enjoy Did you just say scavs yeah short for skaven (laughs) are you are you coining a new phrase get with it (laughs) saves a syllable doesn't it you know (laughs) scavs as the skaven's pr representative i'm not sure i approve to be honest i thought you got fired i haven't been fired i haven't been fired not that you know yet not that you know he claims there's a b60 but that's fine look i for 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 now i am still doing my job for the skaven but if i receive that then you know chris has got some contacts thinking about you know i've got options is all i'm saying all right ben well, let me Enjoy. let me just say, if you say Zug Zug once, I'll punch you in the dick. <laughs> zug Zug. What is it? What is oh. it? <laughs> right, so the leadership of Clan Scryer are the Warlocks. These are the Warlock Masters and Warlock Engineers. And these really are the only kind of magic users outside of the gray seers within the skaven race you're either born with white or gray fur and inducted into the ranks of the gray seers or you're born with brown fur within clan scryer and then if magical potential comes along you're elevated to one of the warlock engineers any other group seems to 
as far as I can tell, either kill them, kill their kind of uh, any Skaven with magical bent, or hand them over to Clan Scryer. Uh, and of those two, the Warlock Engineers are the kind of day-to-day insane lunatic scientists, and the Warlock Masters are the kind of truly mad scientists who oversee all the huge projects and steal any credit they can for any invention that's even slightly beneficial to the Skaven race. And we tie that back to the selfish, ambitious nature of Skaven in general. So the infantry of the Skaven is made up of kind of three main prongs. The first being the Poison Wind Globadiers, or Globadiers, uh, and again, Vermintide. These are the green mm. uh, smoke grenade launchers that we have uh, faced numerous times. So they appear in small units uh, that set, uh, kind of skirmish along the sides of armies and try and asphyxiate enemies with the warp smoke. Now, the warp smoke coming out of these broken spears is the same by and large as in clan pestilence plague sensors so it's uh, it's right. that kind of toxic gas mm. Mm. except they're throwing it at you rather than swinging it about your head yeah okay yeah it's, it's a slightly longer range and really i mean you'll, you'll notice a theme as we go through this apart from the larger war machines everything that the Skaven produce is designed for tunnel fighting at its core. So mm-hmm. filling a tunnel full of toxic gases is a way to go if you're a Skaven. What's the effect of that smoke on the Skaven? Did it get like high from it or something? Well, I think it's toxic because all of the models for the Poison Wind Globadiers all wear gas masks. So I think yeah. it, I think, but I think it's the sheer concentrated volume that they might inhale because I mean they're carrying knapsacks full of these globes behind right. them. Right, right, gotcha. Mm. And you were saying Clan Plestilens when they have these swinging sensors, actually it almost empowers those guys, but they yes. haven't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Does it depend a little bit on your clan type and your genetic makeup on how it will affect you as a Skaven, as a Scav? I, I think it's more genetic makeup uh, outside of Clan Pestilence. Or clan Pestilence has the kind of blessing of yeah. the of both the Horned Rat and Nurgle, so they're given sure. some protection against diseases. With Clan yeah. Scryer, it's you know you're on your own. You you you're not really yeah, yeah. focusing worship anywhere. You're just using a tool. And, and like Dar it. said, okay. you know, it's it's the difference between one of the guys swinging a single block of warp stone and these these globadiers who've got shitloads of the stuff strapped to them. Yeah, you know, and yeah, so the concentration must be a hell of a lot higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a meth cook. <laughs> <Got> it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so the second prong of Clan Scryer's infantry are what's referred to as warp lock gisales, and these are the snipers of the Skaven race Uh, Uh, these use if you can imagine the sharps tv show but it's all skaven (laughs) so these are the guys with huge muskets very long muskets that in fact they're operated by two skaven one is the gunner the other one holds a massive shield with a little notch in the front that the rifle can rest on so these rifles are easily somewhere between six to eight feet in length (laughs) and they fire they fire warp stone bullets which are armor-piercing and mutating and really good to have in your system, above and beyond 
the problems of even just being shot. Um, <laughs> it's gonna say, <laughs> move out the flipping way. Yeah, when you see it. <laughs> it's not too dissimilar to how real sniper teams work in the real world. You often get the sniper himself, the gunner, and then, and then the, the spotter, spotter, don't you? Yeah. I mean, by the same time, the snipers, the sniper teams in the in the real world aren't carrying eight foot sniper rifles, are they? Well, maybe they'll do more damage if they did. <laughs> well, maybe they could learn something. I think the biggest they get is something like a 50 cal, and that's over four feet in length, I think. Yeah. So anyway, moving on. So the Giselle teams almost always occupy high ground, whether that's in the open air on the kind of field of battle or in these enormous caverns and strongholds uh, within the Under Empire. They were invented primarily to take out these heavily armoured dwarves that were protecting fortresses. Hmm. The third prong then is the most common. These are the weapons teams of Clan Scryer. And they are made up of two Skaven. One is usually the gunner. The other one is usually an ammunition carrier. And these are the warp fire throwers, which again, we've come across. These are the, oh, yeah. the warp powered uh, flamethrowers. You've got what's called a rattling gun. Uh, so <laughs> this is like that. literally a chain gun that fires warp stone bullets at people. We've experienced those in Vermintide as well, yeah, haven't we? Yeah, they're in Vermintide Yeah, we as have, well. yeah. yeah. You've then got the Warp Grinder, which was advertised in Episode 6, and these are the kind of small-scale tunnelers that just melt rock in front of them as they tunnel up through the ground. And then you've got what's called the Poison Wind Mortar. So these are an upgrade to the Poison Wind Globideers insofar as one of them is carrying all the ammunition and the other one has a huge mortar strapped to its back and fires these Poison Wind Globes further into enemy ranks. That's wicked. Love that. (laughs) So yeah, so all of those are used in tunnel fighting and in the tabletop game, you can attach one of those to uh, a unit of uh, Skaven, of clan rats or storm vermin. And of interesting note, the warp fire thrower, uh, again, appeared fully formed in the same initial announcement or initial release of the Skaven in 1986. So it's it's been a, a mainstay of Skaven goodness since then. It's been around for a while. Nice. Clanscar doesn't just create these team portable weapons, they also have huge, enormous constructions of death and destruction. The first being the warp lightning cannon, which it looks like this huge a kind of scaffolding-like frame with a, an enormous cannon that has warp stone at one end and a narrow barrel that shoots green lightning or green lasers out the front at the enemy. And that's used in siege works to destroy gateways or even just walls or settlements the final kind of construction the regular construction is a doom wheel which is a a cheerful thing Um, (laughs) it looks like two hamster wheels stuck together with loads of rats running inside them while having effectively a mini warp lightning cannon pointing forward as it races in there so it bulldozes into enemy troops usually downhill, and again, can wipe out an entire unit simply by, and I think we said this at the start of the episode, malfunctions. It can explode and kill everything within a certain radius, but usually it just barrels through enemy units. 
Just kamikaze tactics. It, absolutely. And it looks hilarious. And we'll, we'll stick one in the show notes because it, I think it's my favorite creation of Clan Scryer ever. It's literally like kind of just bowl into the enemies and see what happens. So sometimes nothing might happen. They may just kind of collapse into them. Oh, shit. And then nothing happens. They've just kind of messed up someone's front line. Or True. they could explode and take out a whole unit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like the exploding aspect, you know, the kind of kamikaze aspect, that can't be something that the actual Skaven riding the Doom Wheel is keen to happen. You know, like the the orcs, the the, or the greenskins are a bit more kamikaze in that respect, aren't they? They just love, you know, battle and war and and you know and fighting and destruction. And so they would find something like that quite humorous. But you said before that the Skaven are very, you know, individualism is quite a strong theme in their culture. So I can't imagine yes. that any single Skaven riding one of those things actually sees that as a favorable outcome. Yeah, but they could either die there and then by the hand of their general, or they have an extra 10 minutes of life in which they might be able to, you know, the chances of survival are a little bit greater than just being guaranteed death by their generals. Do you know what I mean? 100% with that, Chris. But also the the pilot or rider of the Doom Wheel is almost always the one who built it. So well, That's interesting. They want it. I mean, they want it to work more than anyone else. So, they're if it works and they are covered in glory and you know enemy limbs, um, then <laughs> their influence will increase. And so, nice. they have ultimate faith in their own capacity and their own abilities. But their abilities are sometimes up. shit. Yeah, you're dealing with warpstone here, so warpstone can go critical at any stage. It's, it, it it can just become even more unstable and explode. Or if you try and wow. focus too much energy through it, you'll get a, a you know a backblast of chaos power, uh, and that's Amazing. frequently what happens. Yeah. So that's Amazing. really the kind of main war machines of Clan Scryer. I mean, they're also responsible for some of the larger constructions and i think two good examples would be the portal in the game vermintide you know that huge portal that the forces of chaos come through yeah yeah yeah. so clan scryer would have been in charge of building that so you can imagine every settlement has some perhaps not a portal but has some enormous contraption that Mm. will provide power and uh, warp-based electricity to the leadership or the good Mm. and the great of Skaven society. They have also constructed the mysterious machine under Middenheim, which is very similar to the original great engine that they made that caused the tectonic issues Mm. underneath the World's Edge mountain at the birth of Skavendom. So there are all these engines and all these doomsday devices and bombs and other things around the Under Empire, usually underneath a major population center of the other civilizations. When you say, you know, a a mysterious device, you mean this device under Middenheim hasn't been triggered yet, hasn't been used? Yeah, it hasn't been triggered yet. It's like a last-ditch defense mechanism, should anything go wrong, right? It's like, if if under Middenheim looks like it's going to go under, well, we'll take Middenheim with us then. Yeah. Boom. Good sound effect, Chris. Smash. If you recall from the geography episodes, Middenheim is the one that's just this pinnacle of rock with the city on top of it, and it's impossible to lay siege to it. 
So what they've done is they've built this enormous device within that pinnacle of rock in the hopes of eventually causing some kind of hijinks with the people of Middenheim. Perhaps even launching them into space. Who knows? Wow. <laughs> or just collapsing the whole thing into a pit. Yeah. yeah. Either way, see you later, Middenheim. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Peace. Nice knowing you. <sighs> well, that... Gents, draws our exploration of the Skaven over the past five Oof. episodes to a close. Wow. It has been a long, long journey. It's been amazing. Enjoyable, enlightening, <laughs> educational, and I know so much more and do have so much more respect for, for the Skaven, genuinely. However, get in. Can we move on? <laughs> <laughs> well, before we do, Kral, let me let me ask you, based on what you've heard of those four clans, picture this. You are rank and file, empire, on a battlefield. Which of those four would you prefer to face? Would I prefer to face as their enemy? Or which of those would you least like to face? Let's go with that. Oh, which one? Which one? So you've got the... Beast, the Beastmasters, Molder, sound pretty terrifying, actually. Mm. I mean, they've all got the charms, to be honest. <laughs> Do I want to be bowled into by a doom wheel? Do I want to be eaten while still alive by Clan Molder's beasts? Do I want to be? Do I have my spine ripped out whilst my heart's still beating by Clan Eshen? Or do I want to rot <laughs> to a horrible, painful death? I mean. Mate, I'll let you pick for me, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, the one that sounds like I might have the best chance of surviving is against Scryer, simply because some of their gadgets tend to be the most unreliable. So there is a very small chance <laughs> yeah. that I yeah. might just get away with a maiming. Do you know what I mean? True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or at least, at the very least, a laugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, huh. Dar, as you've uh, done so well over the past five episodes, I think it's only fair that we extend <laughs> you the same courtesy. So which of those four clans would you least like to see on the battlefield? Uh, least or most? Most. Where would I most like to face of that choice? I think I'd have to agree. I think it has to be Clan Scryer because if for no other reason than there'd be fewer of them. And if I was in the Empire Army, I'd make sure we'd have all the cannons and handguns and snipers we could, and we'd just target all the weapons teams and war yeah, machines yeah. in the hope of destabilizing them. Nice. Mm, yeah. Good strategy. Good strategy. In terms of the kind of le at least, I, I reckon Clan Pestilence. I, you know, the yeah. other guys, it's, it's, it's kind of a fairer fight, but the moment that you get even close to them, your your the attack is twofold, isn't it? Like you could easily kill one of them and then be killed by whatever it releases once it's dead. You know, it's I think you're kind of damned if you engage them at all. So they, yeah. they just sound terrifying. Victory is not really a victory if your cock rots off. <laughs> yeah, man. That's always been my motto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you've got no penis. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, before we wrap up, guys, we've been uh, we've been sent a message. Uh oh! I think what's happened is that uh, Clan Eshin they received a special commission to create some sort of audio based playback machine and recording device. And uh, Gracier Thankwall must have used that device, and he sent us a message. Amazingly, it's in common, so you should be able to understand it. So, uh, do, do you want to hear it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, you magnificent bastard. 
Alright, here we go. Dear Laying Down the Law, <laughs> this is Gracia Thankwall. On behalf of the Skaven, I thank you. You have covered our history and culture with amazing care care, and for this you have our eternal respect. You have done down your pathetic race proud. As a token of our appreciation, we have left a selection of honorary names with our PR representative for you to pick pick from. With this name, you will always be welcome among us in Skavenblight. Farewell for now. All hail the horned rat. So that's interesting, isn't it? Wow. Grey Seer Thankwell himself. The, the legend, <laughs> the myth, the man, well, the man rat. Yeah. The man rat, yeah. I, I am both pleased to be honoured and now I'll be checking every doorway just to make sure there's not a fucking assassin waiting to kill me because we've spread word <laughs> to the Skaven. Yeah, there is that. There is that. So yeah, so he sent through some some names for you. Do you wanna do you wanna hear them? Yes. Yeah, let's yes. go for it. Okay. Go so ahead. so crowd, we'll start with you, mate. Yeah. So the, he sent through three names and and the titles that go along with them. So and you can pick which one you want to go with. So the first one is It Crow Crotch Licker, Unpredictable Kin Eater of the Blighted Undercarriage. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Next one is Kral Twat Gusset Gash, predictable plotter of the poisonous perineum. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the final one is um, Short Fuck Kral Midge. And the title for this one is just <laughs> Borrower Incognito. <laughs> yeah, I picked the, the final one of which Kral I can't remember the fucking name. What is Short it? Fuck Midget? Kral and Midge. Short Fuck Kral and Midge. Yeah, Borrower Incognito. Borrower incognito, short fuck crowlmage. Okay, so that's me. Yeah, so short, I'm going short for fuck, it. Short fuck. You don't. You definitely. You, you can change your mind at this point. Crowl twat gusset gash. It crowl. No, it's a no brainer. Short fuck. Just call me short okay. fuck. Short fuck. All right, it is. Um, okay, Dar. So you're three. Uh, we've got um, Ratty Dar Moldminge, pestilent borrower of the festering fanny bulge. Have you been talking to my wife? <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got retardar dick rot deranged crackpot of the melting manhood okay and the final one is <laughs> shitbants darfang excremental comedian of clan dad joke <laughs> sold be. last one say that say the All name right, again okay. what was the name shitbants darfang <laughs> sold <laughs> Can I can I just ask? Is Gracie Thankwell? Is he like twelve years old going to like a, a, a grammar school? Because these names sound real mature, <laughs> mate. Like this is a, an honorary position. Like this is this is a great honor to be given these. So hold your wish. Sure. Okay. So which one was I? I went for the last one. Which one am I? You went for short fuck Crowlin Midge borrower incognito. Bora incognito. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I like that one. I like it. All right. Cool. Okay. And that's it. That's the. Whoa, so, whoa, uh, whoa, whoa. What about you, mate? Oh, come on. They, that that has to be one for you, man. Short crawl, fuck widget, and walk away. All right. Fine. Fine. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Ben Dodge Responsibility Wanker. 
There's not. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Let me think of one. <laughs> well, hold on. No, if you just say that, that's just insulting. <laughs> These are actually scaven names, for God's sake. Right. Can okay, anyone so help me? I'm just wondering what rhymes with cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay, so yeah, they, they did send some through for me. So, Dung Ben Ballbag Breath, Cunning Caresser of Man Things. <laughs> which, you know, is nice. Ben Ship Balloon Heat, Pestilent Wretch of Clan Cranius Maximus. Well, I think they're possibly referring to the size of my head there, I'm not entirely certain. <laughs> Your massive um, personality, yeah. <laughs> and um, Rot Bulge Badger Sack, Obsessed emissary of the tunneling stripy scrotums. Well, it has to be the last one because you're obsessed with. You bring fucking badgers up every other episode. I have no idea what you're talking about. But as I am <laughs> the, uh, the, the PR representative for Skaven, albeit for the time being, I imagine my pink slip is probably in the post because of the poor job I've been doing. They have sent me a fourth name, which is. Wicked Benji, awesome face, fearless leader of Clan Incredible. Oh, that's yeah. what rhymes with cunt. <laughs> <laughs> and while I do uh, feel that the fourth one is the most accurate, I'm going to go with Rot Bulge Badger Sack. I would. <laughs> <laughs> to, to quote from the second worst Indiana Jones movie, you have chosen wisely. <laughs> All right, that's all from us. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about the topics we've discussed in this podcast, you can find all the reference articles in the show notes or on our website at layingdownthelore.com. You can also reach us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And just a reminder, we are now on Patreon. So if you're keen to join our Discord clan and shoot the shit with us, or you're excited to hear our bonus podcast series, Chunks of Dar, in which we grill Darren on topics covered in this podcast, or you really want us to start releasing content more frequently, head over to patreon.com forward slash laying down the lore and sign up today. We'll be back again next month displaying just how little Chris and I know. Until then, cheerio. See ya. Cheerio, folks. Cheerio.